Listener Production. US investors exhale with relief following the latest interest rate decision from the US Federal Reserve. And a flat start to trade is expected on Thursday after a mixed inflation report released yesterday. I'm Tom. And I'm Ryan. It's Thursday, the 27th of July. Welcome to the Comsec Market Update. Ryan, what a big 24 hours we've had. It's been exciting, Tom. We've had the Australian inflation data. And now we've had the US Federal Reserve hand down its interest rate decision. It's quality stuff. Let's work in reverse chronological order. So let's talk about the Fed first. Quickly, I'll recap on what the stocks have done. So the Dow, in the midst of uh, quite a record winning streak at the moment, up by a quarter of a percent, or 82 points. The NASDAQ down 0.1% and the S&P 500 just in negative territory. But it's really the bond market that's the one that we want to look most closely at. And what we've seen is both long and short term interest rates in the United States uh, fall by a pretty decent margin under the circumstances. We've seen a two year Treasury note down by around five basis points to 4.84%. The 10 year Treasury note down about five basis points to 3.86%. Ryan, on a day when the Fed has raised rates by a quarter of a percent, To see bond yields fall like that, what are they telling us? Well, what it's telling us, Tom, is that Chair Jerome Powell in his presser said the US Federal Reserve hasn't made a decision to hike at each meeting going forward, bolstering bets the US Central Bank will skip a rate increase in September. So at this point in time, the Fed is emphasising that they are data dependent. We have an unusual eight-week gap between this meeting and the September 20 meeting. And there's going to be a bunch of jobs and inflation reports during that period. So there's a lot of uncertainty at the moment as reflected in the market pricing. At the same time, I think, you know, so much of the art of raising rates comes down to the communication. And you'd have to give Jerome a pretty good mark in terms of the way that he has threaded the needle on this over the course of the last couple of months in particular, don't you think? Well, absolutely. So this was well guided and that's reflected in the response of markets have been fairly muted. Yep. What we did see was the US Federal Reserve lift interest rates by a quarter point to a target range of 525 to 5.5%. That's the highest level in 22 years. And also it does represent the 11th rate hike in its last 12 meetings. So none of this was a great surprise. We did have the skip previously. And going forward, really, it all comes down to what happens with the economic data. Jerome Powell has made that abundantly clear. It's in the headlights within the statement as well. And Powell said the data could justify either holding rates steady or raising them again at the Fed's next meeting in September. He said policymakers haven't made any decisions about future moves, including whether they are now inclined to raise rates at every other meeting. So we're going to go meeting by meeting, data dependent, Tom. I think, you know, another example of the market being well across the Fed's thinking is that the US dollar index not vastly changed either. It's holding above that 101 level. So that's another barometer that we use to just try and uh, navigate the, the thinking, what happens with the currencies, what happens with the bonds. You know, the equities are almost a runner up in terms of the consideration overall. It's really that dynamic between bonds and currencies. That's the important one. Wouldn't you agree, Ryan? Absolutely. And if you look at the futures markets around interest rates, that's very important as well. US rate futures are priced in about an 18% chance the Fed raises rates by another 25 basis points at the September meeting. And for November, rate futures see a 33% chance. So certainly markets are increasingly 
pricing in a peak in this rate cycle. Which, again, is interesting given the fact that you have still got strong employment outcomes and you have still got elevated uh, readings when it comes to inflation, but particularly when it comes to core inflation, which is the hard one to break the back of. What are these interest rates markets consuming to sort of have them in such a a relaxed state of mind, Ryan? We did hear from Jerome Powell in the press around the economic outlook, and he now doesn't see a US recession being imminent. So I think that led to some relaxation as far as some traders were concerned. But importantly, we do get some further inflation and wage-related data released on Friday, which we'll talk about then. But certainly, if you look at the PCE core deflator, so the personal consumption expenditure deflator, which is the US Federal Reserve's preferred inflation measure, that's forecast to be just over 4% year on year when it's released for the month of June on Friday. So still well above that target, but certainly heading in the right direction, but it could be a slow journey down. The worst thing that Jerome Powell could do is depart from that quite strong line that he has taken over the course of the last month in terms of the need for interest rates to be higher. If he starts going soft on us, Ryan, that'll, that'll be disappointing. And what sort of impact is that going to have on, on market thinking? Well, if he does go soft, which appears unlikely, then we could be off to the races as far <laughs> as the share market's concerned. But in his remarks, broadly, Jerome Powell's hawkish. He said the Fed could raise rates in consecutive meetings if warranted. But of course, there were some mixed signals overall, and we saw that reflected in the bond market. But getting back to the share market, of course, with the Dow Jones, it's been on quite the streak, hasn't it? So yep. we've now seen it lift for 13 consecutive days. The last time that happened was January 1987. Does that ring any bells, Tom? The 80s, I think, is the greatest decade of my life. I bet Um, bet they were. You had your tank tops on and (laughs) listening to a bit of in excess around then, but certainly maybe it was a a, a prelude to the uh, stock market crash later in the year, but we won't go there. Of course, last night we did see US share markets fluctuate as investors assessed mixed earnings results. So the reason why the Dow Jones outperformed up 82 points or 0.2%, as you mentioned, was on the back of the performance of Boeing. So the aircraft manufacturer, its shares rose around 8% after it posted a revenue beat for the second quarter. So certainly that was an impressive outcome for that stock. But the main market movers on the technology side were, of course, Alphabet and Microsoft. Mixed outcomes, certainly on that front. We had uh, Alphabet delight investors, and that was reflected in its share price move. Microsoft uh, had good numbers as well. However, the outlook was seen as being something of a blemish and the shares have underperformed in that context. That'll be interesting, Ryan, to see uh, the duration of that underperformance given how enamored investors are with Microsoft at the moment. We have seen that AI frenzy really lift the US share market this year. And what investors were focused on prior to these results was whether the array of AI products that had been released by Microsoft in particular, could offset a potential slowdown in its cloud business. So that was the key focus there. Of course, Meta Platforms are releasing its results after the close. Its shares rose by 1.7% after Alibaba's cloud unit said it would support Facebook owners' open source AI model Llama. So still more talk about AI in the markets. And the other big news we saw overnight was in the banking space with Wells Fargo. Its shares were up 1.8% 
after the bank's board authorised a new share buyback program of up to $30 billion. So a significant amount. It also said its board's approved a previously announced dividend hike to $0.35 cents from $0.30. Cents. So maybe all's not quite so bad in the banking sector, but we did see shares of PacWest, the regional bank. Its stock jumped more than 28% on news that it'll be acquired by Bank of California to create a new firm called Pacific Western. So that consolidation in the US banking sector continues. Of course, the bigger banks are posting reasonable results. They are indeed. Uh, Let's just quickly reflect on the fortunes across the Atlantic in Europe because there were some noteworthy uh, moves there to reflect on. In London, the market was down by around 0.2%. The German market was down by about a half of 1% and the French market down by almost 1.4%. The reason the European sphere was important was because it was the first opportunity to respond to Rio Tinto earnings yesterday. So the feature here was that revenue was down by about 10%. You had underlying earnings come in at about $5.7 billion. That was a little bit better than expected. There were some mixed results within the Rio Tinto outcome there. A fully franked interim dividend came in at $1.77 per share in US terms. So that was down by 33% compared to the same time last year. So a big declines in the earnings for their copper and aluminium businesses. Copper EBITDA was down by almost 30%. Uh, Aluminium EBITDA was down by about 60%. The shares were down by 3% in UK trade. So it's a question today, Ryan, of how the market uh, digests all of that information I suppose what's interesting is that you know it really does jive with the fortunes of the Chinese reopening, uh, which has misfired, and this is the result that you see. Well, we did see copper prices down 0.3%, aluminium prices down 1.3% overnight as expectations for demand growth from top consumer receded. So there's been disappointment around the quantum of the stimulus and also the type of measures so far from markets that has weighed on industrial metal prices. That said, we did see iron ore futures up by 0.2% to 112.89 US dollars a tonne. Interestingly today, Tom, we get an update from Fortescue Metals in terms of its production and sales. So that'll be a market driver as well. Just going back to Europe just quickly, one of the other notable things there as well, as we saw shares of luxury goods giant, the biggest company in Europe, LVMH, fall by 5.2% after results showed that further evidence of a slowdown in spending by wealthy consumers and peers Keering and Hermes, they dropped 1.8% and 2.4% respectively, with Christian Dior shares down 4%. So the malaise around China combined with perhaps a bit of a rating in a spending by wealthy consumers combined to weigh on those shares, and they were a big drag on the European share market last night. Well, Ryan, what would you consider to be the ultimate luxury label or brand. Historically, Rolls-Royce stands out as one of those brands that has been synonymous with uh, better living, I suppose. But last night, they had quite a stunning share price improvement, up by 21%. And it was less to do with the purchase of uh, nosebleed, expensive handbags, and it was more to do with the performance of their aerospace division. And in the same vein that you described the fortunes of Boeing, the 
uh, aviation part of Rolls-Royce's business did extremely well. Their profit for the uh, last period was almost double what the market had anticipated, uh, 680 million British pounds, and that saw the shares up by 21%. So in terms of the commodity space, Overnight, we saw the US all NYMEX price fall by 1.1% to 78.78 US dollars a barrel. The focus there was around crude inventories in the United States. They fell less than expected. We saw the draw there of 600,000 barrels last week, compared with market estimates for a draw of 2.35 million barrels. So that weighed on oil prices. We also saw interest rate hikes have an impact there on sentiment as well. Gulf futures were up 0.3% to 1970.10 US dollars an ounce. And of course, I mentioned the iron ore price earlier. So here in Australia today, we get an update on international trade prices, which are export-import prices. Macquarie Group hosts an annual general meeting. Champion Iron and Sandfire Resources issue earnings. And then we have lithium miner Alcom, Fortescue Metals, Megaport and Regis Resources all releasing production and sales figures. And the Australian dollar has lifted from 67.29 US cents to 67.83 US cents and is currently trading at 67.6 US cents. Maybe some positive sentiment ahead of the Matildas game tonight, Tom. <laughs> Are you heading out to that? No, it's in Bris Vegas. Oh, it's in Brisbane. Okay. But I'll be on watch for the European Central Bank. Indeed, as we all will. Go to Tilly's. Have a great day. Thanks for tuning in. This podcast is prepared, approved and distributed in Australia by Commonwealth Securities Limited, ABN 60067-254-399, AFSL 238814. The information does not take into consideration your objectives, financial situation or needs. Consider the appropriateness of the information before acting and if necessary, seek appropriate professional advice. Listener.